Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is a joy to be here together, uh, to get to continue uh, to draw together, to be the people that God has in mind for us to be, uh, so that we can go into the world and make a difference on behalf of Jesus Christ. If you're new here, I just wanted to say you are welcome here. We are excited that you have chosen to spend a bit of your day in relationship with us. So whether you're joining us online for the very first time or in person, thanks for being here. Uh, We're excited to have you here because we believe that Jesus is doing something new in and through us. And, And we recognize our need for Jesus, that Jesus is the ultimate guide. And, and, and more than that, that Jesus is God and Jesus calls out to us so that we might have a brand new life in Jesus Christ. And so I want to invite you on a journey with us to recognize, hey, we're not perfect, but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus, and we want to pursue him with everything we have so that we can be more like Jesus, so that we can love more like Jesus, so that we can live more like Jesus. <laughs> and, and, and in order to do that, we need to understand a little bit more about who Jesus is. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, in my relationships with others, I hear so many things about Jesus, who Jesus is, what Jesus is, how Jesus is, all of those things, whether it's son of God or God himself or a liar, a prophet or a figment of my imagination, a good moral teacher or a lunatic. My guess is you've heard so many different concepts or so many different statements about who Jesus was. And so that's why we're taking a look at this new worship series for Easter called I Am. We're going to take a look at seven statements Jesus makes about himself so that we can understand better who Jesus thought himself to be so that we can live into that reality, uh, so that we can see who Jesus is in his own words and not necessarily in the words of others who may or may not have ulterior motives. Uh, and, And we need to start by recognizing Jesus' deep understanding of the Old Testament. And and so when he makes statements about himself, he's going to reference that so that people can have a picture of who he is. Uh, And and it starts, in, in fact, it starts with Jesus using I am statements all through uh, a book uh, in, the, in the Bible called the Gospel of John. It's a letter, actually, that was written about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And within that letter, Jesus has these seven statements where he says, I am. Uh, and, and in those seven statements, he makes bold claims about himself, but none may be more bold than the statement, I am, from the beginning. Uh, When he says, I am, he is, like I said, referencing the Old Testament, and he's actually referencing the the story of of the Exodus, where Moses, a, a guy, has been called by God to go to Egypt, where he had been, he had been raised in Pharaoh's household, uh, and, and God is sending him back after he fled from Egypt, sending him back to bring his people out of bondage and slavery in Egypt. And, and so God has is, is appeared to Moses as a burning bush to explain to him, hey, I want you to go into Egypt and bring my people back. And, and Moses, Moses is struggling 
a little bit with it because Moses is a little concerned about what God is about to ask him to do and has asked him to do, and he really doesn't want to do it. And so he's using everything he can to kind of get out of it. So Moses is, is, is asking God, hey, suppose I go to the Israelites. What if I do this? Who is it that sent me? Uh, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell him? Again, Moses is not interested in going. He actually is like, hey, I've got it pretty good living down on the mountain being a shepherd. I'm, I'm okay with that. Just let me do that, God, and, and, and not whatever it is you're sending me to. And so he, he makes up these, these different ideas. Uh, you know, he says, hey, I'm not a very good speaker. I'm not, not good at, with people. And, and really, in all of this, he's just trying to get out of it. And God's not having any of it. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you, me to you. So the name of God is I am. The, in, in, even in modern uh, he, Israel, uh, uh, even in modern Jewish faith, the term I am is so holy that they won't write it in Hebrew. Uh, it, it is a term that we have had translated down uh, as Yahweh or Jehovah. Um, and it's so holy that they will not write that. Uh, in fact, if you look in your Bible and you see the Lord in all capital, um, that's where it's actually saying Yahweh, I am. And, and when you see uh, the Lord with a, just a capital L, it's Adonai, which is the replacement that they start using because they don't want to write I am. And this is who God says he is, and, and this is a metaphor that Jesus is using, a, a picture that Jesus is using to help us to understand first who he believes he is. Uh, Jesus uses this so that we can get this picture. He's making an allusion, a tie back to the Old Testament so that he can say, hey, I am God. I am the one who was on the mountain with Moses. I am the one who, who helped Moses to liberate your forefathers from slavery. I am the one who is before you. And so Jesus starts with that picture and then builds on it in these seven statements. And Jesus uses metaphors to help us understand who he is, and what his mission are. And, and we're familiar with metaphors. Uh, we've used them all of our lives. And maybe we don't remember the definition, but we understand that it's, it's a word or a phrase that helps us uh, to, to have a picture of what is meant. Uh, if I said the carrot and the stick, uh, you would understand exactly what I was talking about. I I'm not talking about a carrot nor a stick. I'm saying if you do what you should, there's either two ways to do it. It's either the easy way or the hard way. Uh, I, I will offer you a treat or you can get through it without any difficulty or I'm going to make it difficult, but you're going to do it either way. Or the early bird gets the worm. It's not about an early bird. It's not about him getting a worm. It is about if you are up and at him and get your stuff done early, then you are more 
more likely to be successful. Or one of my favorites, you are what you eat. I am not suddenly going to turn into a cow because I've had a hamburger. Uh, It is a statement of you need to be careful of what you eat because you're going to gain weight or, 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 or something along those lines. Or every cloud has a silver lining. Every cloud has a silver lining. That, that doesn't have anything to do with clouds. Honestly, it means that if, if, if you're going through a dark patch right now, just remember that, that you're going to find the light eventually. <laughs> and so Jesus, like us, chooses to use metaphors to explain who he is. And so we need to set up this scene of what's happening because it doesn't start in a vacuum. Jesus has been in mission and ministry before he claims about himself uh, this this faith statement of I am. Uh, And he has just, just finished feeding the 5,000. If you're not familiar with the story, Jesus uh, was teaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And there was, there was about 5,000 men. Uh, they say eight to 10,000 people that were there. And they'd been there for multiple days. And Jesus had been preaching and preaching and preaching and teaching and teaching and teaching. And the people were hungry. And the disciples come up to Jesus and they're like, hey, we should send these guys and gals home because they haven't eaten in multiple days and they're going to be getting hungry and we don't have enough to feed them. And so they send them out. Uh, they they want to send them out. And Jesus says, no, you give them something to eat. And, and they don't have enough food to feed them. They're like, man, it's going to take a ton of money to feed these folks. So we don't know what we're supposed to do here. And so they, they appeal to Jesus and Jesus says, well, what do you have? And they had five loaves and two fishes. And they bring them to Jesus. And Jesus takes and multiplies them so that everyone has enough to eat everyone eats their fill. And it's on the, on the back of this story that Jesus departs and then finds himself uh, traveling to a town called Capernaum, which was kind of his base of operations. And, and when he gets there, the people are there and they are waiting for him because he has done something that nobody else has done. He has fed them like physical food. He has nourished them, and they want more. <laughs> when Jesus found, when they found him, Jesus, on the outer side, uh, other side of the lake, they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Because they've been looking for him. They're wondering where he went to and what was, what was going on in between. Um, there's excitement uh, over Jesus, Because Jesus is here and Jesus has done a miracle and we have seen with our own eyes that Jesus fed us. And and so they're waiting to see what Jesus is going to do next. They're excited about this this prospect of somebody that will provide food. And they know that there wasn't enough food for everybody and yet everyone ate. And so the excitement is real, but it's misdirected and Jesus wants them to understand that. And so Jesus says this, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Because you ate and were satisfied. You didn't understand what I did. You didn't see the bigger picture. You just ate and had your fill. Jesus knows what's going on. There's no shenanigans they're pulling over his eyes. he's, He's shown up and, and they are there to find out if he will feed them again. 
And, and once he has their attention, he wants to, to, to let them know that what he is about is more than food. He's not just there to feed them physical bread. He's there for so much more. And so he, he starts with this line of teaching. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him, God the Father has placed His seal of approval. And Jesus takes a moment and says, hey, you guys are following me around for physical food. Don't work for that because that just perishes. Instead, work for heavenly food. And and it's a metaphor, a, a word picture about spiritual life, but they're not following where Jesus is leading. They're not picking up what Jesus is putting down. They're not catching on to what Jesus is trying to get them to understand. And so they ask some questions. Their questions are pretty simple. They, They ask Jesus, what must we do to do the works God requires? They're just asking, hey, what do we do to get this to get this food? What, what is it that you are telling us we need to do? do? And, and what we need to understand is to the Jews, anytime they talk about working for God, the work of the Jew is obedience to the law. The work of the Jew is to be obedient to the law. And, and, and so when Jesus says uh, that you need to work not for uh, the physical food, but for the spiritual food. You need to work for food that won't spoil and won't perish. You need to work for food that will last even to eternal life and bring eternal life to you. Uh, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm doing a new thing. Jesus wants them to, to understand their m- misunderstanding. Jesus wants them to move past that. And so Jesus says, hey, the work of God is this, to believe in the one who sent him, who he has sent. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Uh, the work was the law, but now the work is faith. Actually, Jesus is just reminding them of the deeper truth, that the work was always faith. You had to have faith to be obedient to the law because no one would go through all that rigmarole without faith. But Jesus says, hey, there's more to it than that. And when they think about law, they're not thinking about the actual law that God gave. They're thinking about their interpretation of the law. They had two books. Well, two books is an understatement. They had volumes, but two separate sets. One was called the Talmud and one was called the Mishnah. And and they Uh, gave interpretations on how to be obedient to the law. If, If God says in the law, don't work on the Sabbath, well, what does work mean? The books of interpretation were all about figuring that out. Well, you can't walk X amount of steps because one more step than that is work. You can't lift anything. You can't do all of these different things. And they were interpretations of the law. And Jesus is saying, hey, first thing you need to know about me is that I I am above that interpretation, that those interpretations don't interest me. What interests me is you and your relationship with the Father. Jesus is above 
the interpretations. And so when, when they start asking him about this, he, he wants them to get this. He wants them to understand. Uh, and so they're looking for something now more from him. Okay, he has said that he is above the interpretation, so what then will he do to prove it? Jesus, uh, they ask Jesus, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? So they, they, <laughs> they seem to have forgotten what just happened, right? They seem to have forgotten all about the bread that was provided for them, the food that they just ate. Now they want to know what's going on. What sign are you going to give that you are above the interpretations that the rabbis over time have provided? And Jesus had to have infinite patience, you know, because I can just imagine him sitting there going, uh... Maybe the sign of the bread and lo- uh, the loaves and fishes that I just performed for you. Maybe that would have been good enough. Uh, remember the food that I gave you? And, and rolled his eyes and was like, you really are all that dull. Um, and, but the truth is that the people are asking this because their memory stretches back in Scripture all the way to the point of Moses where Moses brought the Israelites out of bondage. And so what, what makes you above Moses is really what they're asking. What sign are you going to give that you, you have authority here, that you can do the things that you wanted? They ask it in a way that reveals their intentions. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he, God, gave them bread from heaven, but they understand it. He, Moses, gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus wanted to correct that right away. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. It's not Moses. Moses isn't the one that brought you out of bondage. Moses isn't the one that gave you the food to eat in the wilderness. Moses isn't the one who you need to be looking to, it was God. God. But it is my Father, Jesus says, who gives you the true bread from heaven. It is my Father. Jesus wants to clear up their misunderstanding. And he's saying, hey, you're still looking for physical things. You're you're remembering that Moses brought the children of Israel out of bondage, and then they were hungry, and they were grumbling, and and the manna formed. God gave them manna from heaven, this bread that formed, that was able to satisfy them, but it was still perishable. It still perished when it wasn't used like it was supposed to. But what God is doing now is something different. Jesus says this, For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The bread of God isn't manna, which literally means what is it in Hebrew. (laughs) It isn't manna. It's the man, Jesus They've gone back to their physical 
need in their head and, and, and they want to know what it is that they need to do and how they need to do it so that they can have this bread that's going to last. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm talking about something completely different. They show their ignorance. They say, sir, always give us this bread. We want this bread. Let us know how to get it. What, that's what we're, we're trying to find out, Jesus. How do we get this bread? Because we're kind of hungry right now. You know, it's a little later than breakfast and in between, and we could eat at this moment. Their interest is piqued because God equals manna to them. And so Jesus is offering new manna? What does this mean? And they're still just hungry. And so Jesus takes this moment to solidify all of what he's brought to the table so that they can understand who he is and what he is offering. He, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus makes a faith statement, a bold proclamation about who he is, that Jesus is the bread of life, the bread that came down from heaven. Hear that, that's what he said. The bread that came down from heaven so that he could feed the world. Here it is. Jesus is declaring himself as someone who was in heaven and came down to earth so that others might be nourished by him. <laughs> Jesus himself is the bread. It's a spiritual metaphor, but it paints a picture of reality. First, that Jesus recognizes himself as God and, and, and that Jesus is offering to them life from God. It's not about physical, it's about spiritual. It's not about physical, it's metaphysical. It's something more. So Jesus, in his own words, sees himself first as superior to the interpreters. Because why? Because he is God. He is the one that came down from heaven and came to the world to nourish the world with his life, death, and resurrection. And, and second, Jesus sees his role as impacting the entirety of the world, not just, not just those that are there. I came to feed the world. Jesus, the Son of Man, sees himself as sent by God from heaven into the world. And Jesus sees himself as the only one who can provide this bread from heaven. <laughs> when, we, when we listen to the things that Jesus says about himself, it's, it's deep stuff. Jesus sees himself as more than what has happened before. He's not just, just another man anointed by the, the presence of God. He's not just a, another person trying to do what God wants and hopefully good things turn out. No, he is a whole new thing altogether. And the reality is that either Jesus is who he says he is, or he truly is a lunatic. <laughs> he, 
He doesn't leave room for both. He doesn't leave room for both. Jesus calls out to us and says, hey, I, I, am, I am God. And I've come to you to bring you life so that you might be nourished not with things that perish, but with something that is so much more valuable, with something that lasts for eternity, life itself that will last for eternity. And so when we, when we think about what Jesus is offering, we can struggle a little bit on how to respond. And so I just want to encourage you first, receive the bread of life that Jesus offers this metaphor of life. Receive Jesus himself so that you might have life in him. If there is anyone here in this space today or online today that has not yet taken that step across the line of faith, I want to encourage you to do that today. I want to encourage you to receive this bread of life that Jesus offers so that then you can respond to the gift by loving God and neighbor. That's what Jesus calls us to. And then react to that gift in praise and thanksgiving, living for Christ. Friends, we need to get this. We need to get this because Jesus is not just special or called. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus declares it and his life, death, and resurrection demonstrate that he is who he said he is. Jesus knew that he came from heaven to fulfill God's purpose, to be the bread of heaven to the world, a metaphor which has such deep meaning and invites us to so much more. Jesus offers life to us so that we might have life in him. This is why Jesus' offer is so much more, because he is so much more than just another person. You see, Jesus is the bread of life that sets a light our lives, that gives us hope and purpose, that restores our relationship with God our Father, and gives us something that lasts into eternity, a life worth lived. Friends, let us receive this gift of the bread of life. Let us eat and have our fill. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift you give us in Jesus and for the hope that we have in you. Father, we pray that as we have gathered here, that you have been glorified. We pray that as we have gathered here, that we would open our hearts and our minds to the gift of Jesus Christ, that we would receive the bread from heaven, this manna that lives on in us forever, that we would live fully for you because we have received this gift that you are offering. Father, make us one with Christ and one with each other, so that we can be in ministry to the entirety of the world, so that we can share your love and grace with everyone we meet. We pray this in the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And all of us agreed and said, amen.